This is MSU Today. Here's Russ White. Well, it's always a pleasure to welcome back Dan Dickerson to MSU today. Dan is the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers and about as green and white as a guy can be who didn't attend classes here. His wife is an alum and a distinguished teacher of sports journalism at MSU. Both of his children are MSU grads. And Dan teaches play-by-play here at MSU once in a while, which we'll get into. Dan, great to see you again. Russ, I love being up here always on campus. I love seeing you and catching up with you. Appreciate it. Well, we're talking before you speak at the Spartan Baseball First Pitch dinner, one of their big fundraisers. Just what will your role be tonight? What do you hope to talk about? Well, my role is just to kind of be, I'm the guest speaker, and I'm not big on giving speeches, so I said, I'll be glad to come up and, you know, kind of glad hand with some people beforehand, but I'd rather not just give a speech. How about a Q&A? Coach Boss said, how about a q and I said, sure, that's fine. So I'm doing a Q&A, and uh, that to me is more fun. I want to know what other people, what questions are on their mind. Also, I'm a little bit limited in what I can talk about during this lockout. I cannot because I'm a team employee, mention anybody on the 40-man roster. So that would make giving any kind of a speech a little bit trickier. But I can, I can preview the season in general terms, and I can certainly talk about, you know, the staff, A.J. Hinch, Chris Fetter, Scott Coolbaugh, and everybody else and the job that they're doing because it's fascinating to watch. They're working with young kids that obviously got some veterans sprinkled in, but this is a young team that is absolutely going to compete if they ever get this lockout settled uh, for a division title. Well, and we're going to get to the Tigers in a minute, but Dan, let's stick with college baseball for a minute since you're at the first pitch dinner. The big issue we often hear is just the advantage the Southern schools have because of the weather simply. Spartan baseball trying to have a game in March is, is tough. Just your thoughts on kind of the state of college baseball. It is tough, and I always admire, I mean, let's face it, to see, even though it was Michigan, you know, Michigan went to the College World Series. That was impressive. And I just think people have to understand how impressive it is for really almost any Big Ten school because all but, what, Maryland, are, I mean, they are up north in the Midwest, and it's cold, and their season, their home season starts in mid-March after they go to Florida to get started. So it is at a disadvantage. But I, I really admire the, the programs that have been built here at Michigan State, at Michigan, and around the Big Ten, given the disadvantages. I We'll talk a little bit about it. I teach a play-by-play course here, but one of the things we do in that course is give kids a chance to practice their play-by-play at events like men's and women's basketball, baseball and softball in the spring. So even when the season starts, I try to arrange that, and everybody here is so good at helping to make that happen. But we hardly ever get a chance to do it in the spring because the fields are flooded or there's snow. (laughs) So I'm thinking, you know, my kids can't go practice, but these poor kids who are playing can't play their home games. Well, Dan, you mentioned the lockout as we go back to Major League Baseball. Just remind us, what are the issues? Well, the, it's, and it's slow and it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me, fans, everybody, right? Um, but the, the main issues are they don't seem to be making progress on And this is just what for fans should watch for. If signs that they might be re- nearing an agreement when you hear that they are moving on arbitration. Um, the, the main goal, it, it appears, I mean, I've read a fair amount about this. The Players Union would like the younger players to be compensated uh, earlier. We have an Aaron Judge hitting 52 home runs and making $800,000. They would like some guys who wouldn't be arbitration eligible earlier. Now it's three years. They'd like to cut it to two. It's probably not going to happen, but you can maybe increase the number. Uh, there's such a thing as a super two, and it's a small group. Increase that number so that more 
had a chance to go to arbitration earlier, which means they would make more money. And that can get, I mean, when you get into the weeds of this stuff, I mean, it's complicated. These are complicated issues. They'd like free agency to be, be earlier. That's not going to happen. You know, it's six years. Teams have you under control for six years. They would like that to be five. That's not going to happen. They would like to have the revenue-sharing formula enforced in such a way that when the teams that are sharing revenue with the lower revenue, lower payroll teams, that those teams spend that money. Almost a salary floor, I think, is one of the proposals. So th- th- basically they want to p- make sure that teams are spending money so that you know, they will compete instead of, you know, the, the dreaded tanking, which, you know, you can define that in a lot of different ways. For instance, I don't think that what the Tigers did was tanking in recent years. They were absolutely rebuilding, and Al Avila laid it out very clearly how this was going to go. <laughs> it was going to be rough, and then they were going to rebuild, and they have done kind of almost to the T what, what he had predicted. But other teams just take the revenue sharing and don't appear to make any moves to try to rebuild. They're just at the bottom, but making money because they're getting the revenue sharing. So that's an issue. So it's, it's all, I mean, these are complicated issues. And it's, I believe firmly in my heart, though, there are solutions out there. And it just, it's, um, they, they don't seem to be making a lot of progress. But I really believe that Reasonable people could sit down, look at the money coming in, look at the ideas, look at, okay, if you don't like this idea, there is this compromise, or this is, here's a creative solution. I believe those solutions are out there, and I really hope that everybody just remembers that, you know, we just got fans back to the ballpark last year. We just got them back at the end of the year in, in full force. Let's not, uh, we, we still need to make sure that we, we don't, we build on that momentum, put it that way. And people are reminded, hey, I love going to the ballpark and, and not, not lose any games. That's the big goal. And, Dan, we recently had this year's voting for the Hall of Fame inductees. Bonds, Clemens, and I think Schilling didn't make it on their last year on the ballot. Just your thoughts on, on how we should handle those supposedly who did steroids. Yeah, I, 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 I've, for years now I've, said, I've been pretty consistent. Just It's to the point now we, we made baseball writers who are the only ones who get to vote I still think that should be changed. But anyway, we've made them judge and jury on these guys. Well, he only used once. Um, he, he tried it once and he didn't like it. Or he only used for a few months. I mean, we're trying to make them judge and jury. And I just think that's, that's unfair to them because now it's like, well, how did this guy get in when he was actually mentioned as one of the people who was users in 2003? Uh, this guy didn't get in, but he was never actually – uh, named as somebody, and so, but we all know he used. I, I just so anyway. I've come down on the side of this is a museum that is supposed to reflect the history of the game. Were Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens a big part of the history of this game? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. So I just think you vote them in. I mean, clearly they deserve to be in two of the greatest of all time. And then you just make sure you tell the story. That's what the whole point of a museum, right, is accurately reflect that there's a controversy around Barry Bonds for these reasons. And here are some of the facts, and you just lay it out. And let, let people, let them explore. Oh, okay, this is interesting. What, what, what actually happened? But there's, you, you cannot deny 
<laughs> this guy was one of the greatest of all time. So that's that's my and I know that you know people go back and forth, but you can't. You look at the younger voters who are coming in the last few years. The support for bonds grew and grew and grew, but it especially grew among the new younger voters. And if he'd been given 15 years instead of 10, I think he would have been in in a couple of years. Well, I agree with you, Dan. Uh, another uh, issue in baseball we hear a lot about is the famous pace of play. There's too many homers and strikeouts. We don't put the ball in play enough. Pitch clocks. and uh, Just your thoughts in general on the pace of play. You know, the pitch clock is something that uh, I go back and forth on. I, you don't want a pitch clock because this is the only game without a clock or, you know, all the big sports. And yet, minor leaguers have they've been living with it for years. And the ones who come up, I mean, they generally have a, a, a better pace. There shouldn't be 26 seconds between pitches with no one on base. <laughs> there shouldn't. So, and you can't just put it on the umpires. You can't. It doesn't work. We've seen it. We've seen it. Like, okay, the umpires are in charge of this. So they've got to get the batter in the bat. That lasted about a year when they had a big enforcement. It's very tough to put that in the hands of the umpire. You got a clock. The clock runs out. I mean, tennis went to a clock for serves. You know, guess what? A lot of people didn't like it. No one even notices anymore. But the players now notice it, and they don't spend 30 seconds or 35, they got 20 seconds between serves. I think 20 seconds works. It's even, the rule book actually states, I believe it's 12 seconds once the pitcher has the ball in his hand and the batter's in the batter's box. 12. So try 17 or 18 and see how it works. I do think you could pick up the pace of play. Um, And then, you know, you've heard about moving the mound back so there'll be more contact. I think that's actually not a good idea. The, the more you read about that is moving the mound back actually means breaking balls break more and you'd probably have more swings and misses because strikeout rates are going up because of secondary pitches, not fastballs, velocity. And that's something that I think is getting absolutely misrepresented right now. Um, so some of the rule changes you know, that we've seen in recent years uh, don't really affect pace of play, but the extra inning runner probably is here to stay. Um, I would like to see the designated hitter in both leagues. I've made no bones about this for a long time. Max Scherzer went 0 for 56 last year. Do we really need to see that? He used to be considered a good hitting pitcher because he could hit, you know, the occasional extra base hit. 0 for 56, what's the point? Why are we making great pitchers have to do that? So I would love to see the DH in both leagues. I do think the extra inning rule probably is here to stay the extra inning runner. It certainly ends games a lot quicker. I would like to see that push back to maybe the 12th inning. Nothing's happened in the first two. Okay, there is an incentive to make sure we don't play 16, 17, 18 inning games and wipe out a team's pitching staff for a week. I can understand that. Catching up with Dan Dickerson, the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers on MSU Today. And, Dan, let's talk a little bit about those Tigers coming up in 2022 and hopefully we get get to play soon. What's your outlook? I know you're always optimistic. Always optimistic. Green and Torkelson, I mean, those are, that's, those are the headliners. This is a pretty deep farm system, though, and I'm actually going to get a chance to go down even with the lockout and, and cover the minor leagues because they're reporting on, on time on the 16th, which is going to be a lot of fun because there's a lot of interesting players down there. But let's focus on those, too, because I'm a lifelong Tiger fan. I mean, my first year was 67, and then 68, of course, got me hooked for life. I don't ever remember two prospects coming up with this level of national acclaim, both considered top 10, top 5 maybe hitting prospects in all of baseball, Green and Torkelson. Both had 900 OPS 
at the closest level to the major leagues. Torkelson was at three different levels. Green at two different levels. Their final numbers were amazing, and they were very consistent at each level. I mean, there's really, I mean, for all the great players this organization has had through the decades in my life, I don't remember two coming up with this kind of a claim at the very top of all prospects in baseball. That's exciting. Whether they make it out of spring or whether they start in the minor leagues, they're both going to be here at some point early. Tigers don't do that whole play with the clock thing. They just don't in terms of hold them back three weeks and then bring them up. If they hold somebody back, it'll be because they legitimately feel one or the other, if one doesn't make it, needs more work on this certain aspect of his game. Um, they, they just don't monkey around with the, you know, starting the clock thing. So, but they will both be here early if they don't make it out of spring, and they will be impact bats. Now, you add that to, you know, I think a guy who didn't get, he got plenty of attention last year, but I don't think people really appreciate how much he accomplished. Shaquille Badu, to me, remains very exciting. <laughs> to do what he did with, yeah, ups and downs, but heck, he went from A-ball to the major leagues and more than held his own and was a very exciting player. And he showed you all these skills from power to speed to just this dynamic base runner that just energized the crowd and his team. This kid's got upside. I don't want people to forget about him. Derrick Hill looks great in center field. And then you've added a couple of guys in free agency, one through a trade and one at shortstop defensively, Cole Glovers. And when you've got Hill in center and – but like I said, I, ha- I can only say they were free agents or a trade. But a gold glove shortstop, gold glove catcher, A.J. Hinch knows that you win with pitching and defense, and they've got the makings of a team that can do that. And they'll go into spring training. I guarantee you that the message will be we're not – I mean, last year it was A.J. Hinch really wanted to get to 500. This year it's going to be we're going to win the division. That's the goal. There is nothing short of that and win a world championship. I mean, that's going to be the goal from here on out, and that's exciting. You got me fired up. Dan, let me ask you, how you do what you do, has it changed much? I'm, I'm sure calling the game hasn't much. You just get yeah. better with experience. But the way we can consume it, yeah. there's even more ways now. Just your thought on the state of kind of this radio medium we love. <laughs> yeah, because I think people, I get asked all the time, can radio survive? Because it's a, you know, let's face it, TV rules in terms of the dollar amounts. But I think especially for teams in the Midwest and northern climes, there is a special relationship. I'm not sure it's the same in Tampa or Miami, but the whole outdoor lifestyle in the north, and people love their summers, and they love to be outdoors in the summers, and radio and baseball is a big part of that. I think that uh, as long as people are outside in the summer driving cars, having family get-togethers, <laughs> fishing, you know, walking, whatever it might be, uh, I think there's going to be a, pa- a place for baseball on radio. And there's just more ways to listen now. So I don't worry about it at all. I know people aren't carrying around transistors and putting it under their pillow, but they've got phones. And for, you know, two ninety nine a month, which I think is a pretty good deal. You can listen to not just Tigers baseball, but all broadcasts from around baseball. You can listen on your phone. You can listen on your laptop. I mean, for cheap, for uh, I think it's a pretty good deal. Um, I'm biased, but I do. There were so many ways to listen that I, I think people are taking advantage of them. And social media helps also amplify it by playing back highlights from the next day, uh, from the night before. And they often use the radio call. And now you're, you're promoting that. And people are like, oh, okay, maybe I should tune in once in a while. But there is that definite connection with Tiger fans especially and, and radio. Not just because I do it, but because of Ernie Harwell, because of the tradition. And I think that tradition gets passed on generation to generation. I think it's pretty neat. 
Agreed. Uh, Dan, let's just circle back to your teaching as we sort of wrap up. We mentioned that when you get a chance, usually this time of year, uh, you like to teach teach play-by-play in the sports journalism area of MSU. Sort of why do you like doing that, and what's your main advice to the students? Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. You know, my wife, Lorianne, has taught here for, well, since the late 90s, uh, coming up on 25 years, I think. So I've been a guest lecturer in her class. She teaches both uh, kind of Journalism 200 level as well as the sports journalism. She really started that uh, program here. And so I, I enjoy coming up and talking to, to both classes because I've had, I've had experience in news and sports and now play-by-play, obviously. And then we came up with the idea a few years ago, why not try it? There's really only one time I can do it, and that's January, February, six-week course, one credit. You know, if you show up, you get a four-point. <laughs> I'm not worried about grading you. And I cram a lot into six weeks. I feel bad sometimes because it's just like I'm just cramming a lot in and throwing a lot at them. And uh, it'd be fun if it was a semester. We could do more exercises in class. But but basically, I'm just trying. It's funny. I enjoy it because I know how I do what I do. But how do you teach what you do? How do you – somebody's never done it before. How do you – where do you start? Okay, here, here's a game practice. Okay, practice what? What am I doing here? So you, you, I, so I keep every year, I back up one more step. Okay, where do I start? Well, your preparation. Okay, but what does that preparation involve? Okay, you need to come up with a vocabulary. You have to be able to say different things for, say the same thing in five or six different ways. You have to be able to describe the actions of the players. We practice a lot on college basketball, which is a great sport to practice on because it can be very fast-paced. And so you can... You start by practicing keep up with the play, Jones to Smith to Johnson in the basket. Okay, don't ever be behind. Don't have the crowd roaring and you're still trying to get the ball down the court. Very simple. And then it becomes Smith across midcourt with a right-handed dribble, calling out the play with his left hand, you know, looking right side, high-arcing lob pass, low post right side, and then the turnaround banker goes in. So you, as long as you're keeping up with the play, think of all the things you can describe and describe them well. And that just takes time. But we have tools to help them do that. They can practice at the men's and women's basketball games. We have sound effects only games at Big Ten U. Matt McCullough, bless his heart, gives us these sound effects only games. So it's crowd noise, no announcers, but it helps you call the game versus calling it off a silent TV or a silent laptop. So we've got those little tools. So I just try to give them ways to... You know, half of them are there. More than half are just saying, do I want to do this? Here, try it out. I'm warning you, though, you could get hooked (laughs) (laughs) if you try this. So it's fun. The kids are great. I I love being in the classroom. Uh, I do. The kids energize you. And they're just – I love the students here. I mean, year in and year out, they're just good people. So – and Lori's, you know – She's, I don't know, she's, she's identified a lot of the good ones. She helps me put the class together. And so it's fun. I love it. I wish I, wa- I, wish I could see their faces because the mask. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Believe me. But I do because I, 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 I want to make sure I'm connecting here. And if I'm only seeing the eyes, sometimes I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Well, Dan, so great to see you again. Thanks for sharing some of your insights with me again on MSU Today. <laughs> Russ, always great to see you. Take care. That's Dan Dickerson, the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers. You can find Dan on Cameo if you want, and every dime will go to the sports journalism program yeah, at stu- Michigan State yeah, University. Students in, in need. Yes, and students in need. And Dan is on Twitter. You can follow him, Dan underscore Dickerson. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today. Monroe edges off of second. The 1-0s 
Swinging a fly ball. Left field. It's deep. It's way back. The Tigers are going to the World Series. Three-run walk-off home run. Ojoji has the round third. He's into a box seat at home. The Tigers have beat the A's six to three. Completed a four-game sweep in one of the greatest turnarounds in baseball history. The Tigers, three years after losing 119 games, are going to the World Series. Maglio Ordonez with his second home run of the game. What a sight at home plate. Oh, man, this is something. Find, rate, and subscribe to MSU Today with Russ White on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your shows. And please, share this conversation if you're so inclined.